Before we start the show, we just wanted to take a moment to thank you, our listeners, for your support. This podcast is a labor of love, and we are so grateful for everyone who has taken the time to listen, to share a praise report or a prayer request, to leave a review, or even share our pod with a friend. You mean the world to us. We recently launched a monthly sponsorship option to help us keep bringing you new episodes. So if you can, please consider subscribing. You can find the link in our show notes. And if you can't, commit to a monthly sponsorship. Please consider leaving us a review or sharing with a friend. Doing so helps us reach new people and helps us keep the show going. Thank you so much. Now, on to the show. Hello, kings and queens and in-between sinner saints. I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome to another highly vaccinated episode of Yash Jesus. I'm Daniel Francesi, and as always, I'm here with my bestie, Azariah Southworth. And here at Yash Jesus, we believe there is a bomb in Gilead, a healing bomb. And there's a TikTok in COVID. So sit down, relax, and just get all cozy in the pew pew pews because we get some amazing COVID stories coming up with Robert Blackman. But before that, we're going to get into the news is all a buzz about the party and play priest in Italy. An Italian priest has been arrested on suspicion of stealing money from his Tuscan parish to buy drugs for sex parties that he hosted. The priest is named Father Francesco, oh, Francisco Spagnisi. He's 40 years old and under the house arrest in Florence, Italy. Italian police are questioning around 200 people who believe they believe have attended the orgies. 200? This guy has an extensive network. Sounds small to me. The priest is accused <laughs> of stealing the money to buy drugs from his own parishioners, withdrawing more than 117000 from his parish's bank account. Spagnisi also allegedly stole money from church collection plates and asked parishioners for money, convincing them that they were raising funds for underprivileged families. Wow, Whoa. what an abuse. Rock bottom. Wow. You know, we, we might wow. be laughing at this, but party and play is seriously dangerous. Father Spagnisi was saying what was said to be buying the date rate drug GHB from the Netherlands, and GHB can be fatal if you take it when mixed with alcohol. Officers found what appeared to be homemade crack pipes made from bottles during a raid of their apartment. Wow, that is intense. I mean, you know, it's always so bizarre when it comes from the church whenever you hear it. It's so shocking, you know? But I think well, it, I think when it's, people, it's when a they, reminder that we're all it's a reminder that we're all human. Right. And that no matter what what position we hold, no matter where we're at in this world, that when there is something that we haven't healed, we're going to reach out for something that we feel gives us that relief. Right. And so that ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what he's looking for. And as Christians, I think we have to remember that. I know I have to remember that towards myself as well as others. Yeah, we've got to remember that. And pray for him. Keep him in your prayers. I, I also, you know, the church polarizes like sexuality and 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 all of that stuff and doesn't talk about it. And they don't agree with comprehensive sexual education. I think it leads to a lot of out, like outbursts like this sometimes um, when we, you know, God made it feel good for a reason. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it but can't I be mean, holy. Behavior therapy is what, yes, Jesus is going to recommend. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I hope so. That would be an answered prayer. And speaking of answered prayers, uh, this brings us to the praise report prayer request part of our show, where if you have a little something extra that you want to thank God about, well, we will hallelujah along with you. And if you have something that uh, you want to ask God a little bit for, then, you know, a little bit, you need a little bit more push in your prayer, then we'll add them to our prayer list and we'll ask our listeners to do the same. Um, we're going to start right with a praise report. Let's get down to the praise, Azzy. Yes, this praise report comes from Jamie. It's short and sweet. Jamie says, I am a new queer at 49. I do not know how I identify yet, but I want to praise God for you and your show. Thank you. Oh, Jamie, welcome to the family. Uh, It is, you know, it seems challenging and daunting sometimes. I I know from other friends I know that have had late in life coming out uh, ordeals, you know, and uh, but it's your time to be free and you don't have to know how to identify it. That's shine, the baby, it. shine. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Um, you could just go out there and do what you do. And um, we're here to continue to tell you that. So thank you for writing into us yeah. and reaching out because reaching out in communities like this are how you're going to find your family. Um, and that is the most important first step to being a new queer. So um, Rule number one. <laughs> so we're here to be your fram. Uh, so uh, keep in touch with us. Uh, we'd love to hear your progress. Um, and then we have a prayer request. Uh, this is from a fellow Daniel. I, you know, I always like people to have my name. I don't. <laughs> have you met many Azariahs? I've met one other one, and it was a seven-year-old. I was working at the bank behind the teller line, and his mom goes, oh, my son's name is Azariah also. And I was like, never in my life have I ever, maybe never I will I ever, ever again, you know? And so I went down in the lobby and like sat down with him. I was like, listen, this is a pivotal moment for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> you may never meet another one. But it was, yeah, so I've met one other one. So. Well, you're like, you could be called Azzy, you could be called AZ, you're <laughs> giving them like all, all the shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> all the best nicknames for Azariah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this Daniel wants to, uh, has a prayer request for us. He says, hey guys, first off, I want to say what a joy it has been listening to your podcast. As a bit of a background, I'm 26 and I came out as bi in May of 2020. Since I grew up in a pretty conservative household, I was naturally afraid to come out, but I've been really fortunate enough that my family's been really supportive. Maybe they're not about to go march in a pride parade, but they've come a long way from banning Harry Potter because of witchcraft. Laugh out loud. My church is low-key affiliated with the SBC. But I have a handful of people there who have my back, too. I've since been trying a few dating apps, and I met my current boyfriend last fall. Needless to say, it's been a journey reconciling having same-sex attraction while also being a Christian. But your podcast has really helped me in that regard. Shout out to someone in the gay Christian subreddit for posting about you. Um, (laughs) I started listening to you guys back in January while driving to my boyfriend's house since he lives a little far away. And I finally got caught up in the latest episode. Don't worry. I don't close my eyes during the closing prayer. Uh, That's a little joke we got. Uh, But um, it's been wonderful learning about queer culture and looking at the Bible through a queer lens and being affirmed every single episode. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I know this is getting a bit long. Don't worry. I love monologues. I know know this is getting a bit long, but I was hoping I might also be able to make a prayer request for an online friend I met during quarantine. Turns out he's also bi and from a conservative family, but he's also a pastor's kid, another PK, and on the worship team at his church. He grew up going to Christian schools and attends a tiny Christian university. He came in around the same time as me, but his parents are extremely against his bisexuality. While I've made strides in accepting this part of me, he's still kind of waiting on a sign from God to go ahead 
and potentially pursuing a same-sex relationship. He's afraid of doing that doing so would basically ruin his relationship with all of his family and friends since they're all in the same Christian bubble. I guess my prayer request is that he's able to find peace and that the hearts of his friends and family would soon soften and become more open and understanding. Thanks for sticking with me through this whole message. I wish you guys all the best. P.S. Check out the song Tethered by young queer Christian artist She slash They. Such a good message. Um, wow, Daniel. Like, what a great long letter. I loved it. How about you, Azzy? I did. I, it's very sweet and tender. And he, you can tell that he cares for this guy that he's pursuing. And I've been there looking for that sign, you know, just praying, God, just give me the sign that everything is okay. And, you know, it's it's okay. It's truly. Yeah, I'm happy to hear you're doing so well and you're making strides, Daniel. Um, That's really awesome. And we are here for you. Mm -hmm. Like, and keep listening to our stories. Let us know if there's anything you have a question about. If you have a question, if you're like, hey, I wonder about this in the Bible, let us know. We'll look it up. You know, maybe we can make a whole show out of it. We've done it before. Um, But to get to your (laughs) to get to your prayer request, um, it's very nice that you are there for your friend right now. And I think just keep praying. Um, prayer can move mountains and and be that voice for your friend. Be an example of love for your friend. Show them how you and your boyfriend are, are getting along and how your family's coming around. Um, it can be very scary, especially for a pastor's kid. Uh, so we will keep him in prayer. And thank you so much uh, for sharing the story with us. Azzy, we're going to be right back with your favorite part of the day, and I know mine, the scripture of the day right after this. <laughs> We're back with the scripture of the day. Scripture of the day. Scripture of the day. It's soul food. A wonderful song. A wonderful song. Whatever. As a, here we are. It's a scripture of the day. What is it? Matthew 10, verse 7 through 8. Jesus is giving his disciples instruction before sending them out two by two in this verse. So here it is. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. Well, you guys, listen, we haven't talked about it a lot, but COVID has been going on for a long ass time. This podcast was created and launched during COVID, and it seemed like a good idea to just have a project. I mean, we really wanted to do it anyway, but especially when everything was so shut down. And now... We just keep going because we love it. Yeah. This time has been a struggle for everyone, a punctuation in everyone's life. Some of us, millions of us, lost our jobs. Millions of us have become sick and infected and countless have died. And no matter where you have gone through in the past two years, it's worth looking back at how we've grown and changed and survived and thrived in this time. And if you're here listening, you have a spirit that continues, and we want to give thanks for that. Yeah, let's turn up that attitude of gratitude, Azzy. <laughs> yes. Yes, honey. And we are so thankful. And we have a special guest with us today. It's Robert E. Blackman. He is a multifaceted creator, author, lifestyle specialist, fashion designer, producer, branding coke. Is it gift, gif, TikTok personality, or and originator? 
So as he puts it, he's the black gay Martha Stewart, and he does some of everything. Robert hopped, hopped on TikTok in March of 2020, trying to break the monotony during lockdown. That is very relatable. Who else started their TikTok during COVID? Uh, one year later, his comedic contact content has drawn over 1.4 million followers. What? While he was making these hilarious videos, and they're seriously funny, Robert's mother, Clara, was in a Detroit hospital battling the fight of her life against COVID-19. And Clara spent a total of 79 days in the hospital, 15 of them on a ventilator. Miraculously, she lived and walked out of the hospital of her on her own two feet. Wow, that is a miracle and a praise report. Yeah. So Robert wanted to thank the staff at his mother's hospital the best way he knew how, by writing a whole damn book about it. Courage <laughs> Behind the Mask recounts a family story of triumph and tragedy of the COVID-19 virus. And it's now an Amazon bestseller, and you better know it. <laughs> so please welcome Robert Blackwood. <laughs> hey, hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, can I tell you how nice it is to hear your voice and have you here? Uh, let me tell you. First of all, lifestyle specialist, fashion yes, designer, and a yes. branding coach. Tell us what yes. that's like. I mean, do we need to change closely this interview because you look great. Absolutely not. The thing that I love most about what I do is um, that cliche that we've, we've heard, live your best life. That literally is what I do with and for people. I, I reprogram people's brains to get out of that Instagram filtered look. And I, I really show people how to live their authentic life just as they are, not by the standards of other people. Okay, honey, what's step one? Because <laughs> I'm step, interested. Step, you, know what, you know what step one is? Step one is to everything that your friends tell you about how you look or what they think you should do, go, thank mm -hmm. you so much, and do what you want to do. That's exactly step one. <laughs> I, I like, like that. that I like that. That's beautiful. Well, like so many of us, your life probably changed pretty dramatically once the quarantine started in March of 2020. So tell us about a little bit about your experience at the beginning of the pandemic. What changed for you initially? And so, you know, it was, it was like everybody else. It was very surreal. I was in Los Angeles. My, my husband and I were, were there and I was literally living my life. I, um, I'm a designer and I was actually launching, I was doing the photo shoot for an activewear line that I had already launched. And we were days away from doing that. And the, the tricklings of COVID-19 were on the news and you were hearing about it in other places, but it wasn't really, you know, in our faces, it didn't really affect us. And then it started getting closer and closer. And because uh, my husband and I are both dual citizens, we live in Canada now full-time, um, we decided it was probably best that we come back here to Canada um, to basically just wait it out because we live in a very remote area. So we were like, you know what? We're just going to go hunker down and be done with it. We thought, yeah. we thought, and my husband was like, this was uh, late February, early March. My husband's like, okay, we'll be back in LA in June. Well, June has come and gone twice now. And, um, and we are still pretty much on, on lockdown here. And so um, it was jarring from that mm -hmm. standpoint. But for me, obviously, um, my mom, the same week that we decided to come back to, to Canada, my mom was one of the first. We're not exactly sure, but she's somewhere between 7,500 and 10,000. So she's one of those 
first real group of people that contracted, was diagnosed, and was put on a ventilator. And Mm -hmm. at that time, um, the hotspots were Washington State, um, New York City, and Detroit. Those were the three hotspots. And she lived just outside the, the, the burbs of Detroit. And they were giving you like four or five days if you were on a ventilator because they had nothing. They knew nothing. They were literally trying everything. And because we were sequestered here in Canada, I couldn't go and see her. I couldn't be there. There was, there was nothing to do. Um, and so like the rest of the world, I sat and worried and prayed and sat and worried and prayed. And um, luckily... My extended family became the healthcare givers. The, the, the first line workers became my extended family. They became my brothers and sisters. They became my, my mom's children um, because she was literally in that um, perfect storm. She was uh, a black woman from the South. She uh, was a little overweight. She had a pre-existing condition. She worked in a healthcare, a senior living facility. Oh um, and so like everything. So it's like all living, of it. It's like right. The, every, like everything. Oh, man. It's like everything. And so um, there was nothing to do. And so, um, like I said, those, those workers really became my eyes and ears. And so all of the things that were happening in the world and all of the hysteria that people were um, experiencing or hearing about, we were living firsthand. And here's the crazy part now in retrospect, but it was literally, I think, God helping me sort of focus. I didn't tell anybody. Um, I come from a large family. I'm my mom's only child, but I come from a very large family. She has lots of uh, siblings and we have a huge family there was like a handful of people that knew because my thing was, you know, when something goes wrong, people go, Oh, what can I do? Let me, there was something to do. There there was absolutely nothing to do. So I was like, let's keep this small. Let's just focus and let's just do what we can. And so while people were, you know, worried about why are they, you know, hydro, uh, hydrocodone and all these things. My mom had tried all that stuff. She, she'd been through all of it. So I was just sitting there like, making TikToks like nothing's wrong and my world was a mess Mm. I you know I sympathize with what you're saying my mom had two broken hips during the pandemic and there was nothing I could do while she was going through all that pain and there's no way she could get surgery um I my biggest fear was what happened to you um right you know and so I I completely sympathize with what you're saying you know but how did you turn this into comedy like Talk to us about getting on TikTok. Like, did you, did, like, mm-hmm. how did you do that? Did you have a plan? Did you have goals? I mean, no. you seem like a pretty no. person. So, yeah, so I some idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yes, I'm very driven. And um, I have been, and, and, and again, your, your podcast is, is really great. Because I don't get a chance to talk about this part of me a lot. Uh, I'm very spiritual. And um, I was off to seminary, but didn't go. And that's another Oprah show. Um, And so I'm very faith-based, right? And I believe that signs happen. And it's up to us whether we listen to them or not. And so my 
um, my agent, my manager, my, my minch, Amanda. She was the one that got me into gifts several years ago. And I was like, I'm too old for this. I don't know what this is. She said, do it. I did it. I now have 8 billion views. Everybody in the on the planet has either seen, been sent, or used one of my, one of my gifts. It was the same thing with TikTok. She had been trying to get me on TikTok for almost a year before. I was like, that's for kids. I don't even know. I don't know how to like, I don't, she was like, I'm making you an account. And she was the, she was one of the few people that I actually told about my mom because I said, Amanda, I'm going to tell you this and you can't tell a soul because I'm going to be weird and you're going to know something's wrong. So I'm just going to tell you. And I told her, she's like, Oh my God, a few days after I told her, she called me and said, here's your account number. You're on TikTok. Do it. And what she was doing for me was she was trying to create a distraction. And I'm glad that she did because I fumbled through it for about three weeks. It took me probably two weeks to figure out the app because I'm, yeah. I'm the old person in the room. I moisturize <laughs> what I look like it, but I'm the old person in the room. And it just kind of became normal. It became normal because what I was doing was I was allowing a pressure release valve for other people through laughter. And so I realized yeah. I could sort of work out some of my frustration through creating, you know, this material and other people were able to forget about their lives for a minute. And mm -hmm. so it really became this, um, very beautiful kind of thing. And it was months before I actually shared with people, what I was going through. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it happened. I got on in late March, early April. Um, didn't have those viral moments, didn't have those like Tabitha Brown, I didn't have any of that viral stuff. It was just a very slow, gradual um, build. By Thanksgiving, um, I had a million followers and I got verified within 10 days like that. And it, like, it was, it was no, crazy. that's your business, baby. <laughs> so, so this sounds like it was, it was a bit of a therapy for you. It was truly therapeutic. It was, it was, um, it was very, very therapeutic. And I actually write about it in the book because TikTok is very much a part of this COVID journey. Um, and there's this, there's this story about me being in a bunny rabbit costume. And there's actually a picture in the book of me in this bunny costume and my mom's head nurse called and I'm wrestling trying to get out of the bunny suit and the zipper is like stuck and I'm freaking out because I don't want her call to be missed. And so I'm sitting there talking to her like with one of the ears in the bunny suit because it was Easter time and I was doing these Easter TikToks and I just was like frustrated. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. Um, I, I'm like, I got to tell you, I'm in a bunny suit. And she's like, <laughs> Okay, why? <laughs> and I'm like, have you heard of TikTok? And she goes, well, I, my kids have it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell you. And so I was like, well, girl, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And she was like, okay. So fast forward a couple of, it must have been about five days or so. I'm talking to her again. And she goes, you know what? She goes, thank you. I'm like, for what? She goes, when we have our breaks, me and the, the nurses, we sit around and we watch your TikToks. And it helps us sort of like relieve some pressure. We laugh and we're able to, 
And when they said that, I, I realized going back to the, the full circle about this, I realized that that was my purpose through God in this. Like oh. my purpose, my purpose in this was to um, help other people. And this vehicle was to help me sort of cope through this. Cause I honestly don't know what I would have done had I not had this to do. Well, we need to put you in touch with Father Francesco from our Gay Christian News. (laughs) (laughs) No. This is a healthy way to do things. Yeah, this is probably a better outlet for them than his his choice. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. No judgment. I'm just saying. No, no. We don't yuck anybody's yum, but um, no, like, honestly, this must, I'm like actually really impressed because good on you for being able to recognize your calling. And recognize something like, uh, like a lot of people, you know, I always think about that, that scene in Never Ending Story, when like, a tr- like Atreyu is trying to get his horse, and, it's, and he's going down in the depression. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I being a nerd? Am I nerding out? You you're, not, you're not being a nerd, but as someone who actually, like, was brought up in the Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood set, as a, literally as a writer, I don't movie, so... I don't. Okay, well, there's a scene in this movie. I know, I know the movie, but only because of the video with the guy on the flying dog. I've seen the video. I don't know the movie. Excuse me, that's Falcourt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll just break it down real quick because I I brought it. (laughs) I'll just break it down real quick because I brought it up. It's like a, a magical, mythical movie in a magical land. Yes. But at one point, this warrior has a horse, and they're trying to get through this muddy river, and the river is the river of depression. And if you let it overcome you, it will suck you under and you will die. And he is depressed as he is. He's, he has to like keep his head above that mud. And his horse is just a horse. It's not a human brain. The horse can't understand that concept. So his horse dies, which, which really brings him into like such another level of depression. But the metaphor there is just like the lesson is really like he still survives because even with the, the highest level of sadness, He's got to keep his level above, his head above. I'm now going, because of that, I'm now, I promise you, I'm now going to, to watch that. Because one of my, one really of my, I'm, it anyway. I'm, I'm, literally, I'm allergic, I'm allergic to pity. I don't, I'm allergic to it because nobody cares. Like, nobody cares. Honestly, people right. say, oh, I care. Nobody cares. And I, I don't mean to sound hard, but the only person that can pick oneself up is one. You can certainly, I, you know, you can have five or 10 minutes to have a pity party over here, but get back to it. I mean, <laughs> you got two choices, get on with it or get over it. And, you know, but sitting there wallowing, nobody's got time for it. Nobody well, cares. I love that you did what you did. You turned it into art. You turned it into comedy, right? Mm-hmm. What, your yes. TikToks are so funny, but what? But one of your TikToks is a church lady character. Yes, is church mama. Legally, church you know, mama. Church what? Church mama. M-U-V-A. Oh, church, church mama. mama. Church okay. mama. Church mama, yes. <laughs> so we are a queer Christian podcast. Tell us about church mama. Okay, so very in, the, the shortest answer is church mama was never supposed to be on TikTok for a couple of reasons. One, um, I'm one of those classic gays where for my entire life, I've compartmentalized my life. My straight, my straight life is here, my business life is here, my gays are here, my nightclub is like it was all compartmentalized and she- Unrelatable. She, yeah, so she was never supposed to be a part 
of, of, of that. Now, she is from my, my gift life, my giffies. She's from that life, and that's where she was born again. Thank you, Amanda. Um, but Church Mother is this generic character who is extremely loving, but extremely judgy at the same time. She's not, <laughs> she's not judging you. Yeah. She's not judging you as a person, but she's going to judge your actions because her thing is, you know better. The E is silent. You know better. So okay. don't act like you didn't know because you knew. Church mother, I have to ask you, what do you think of of, of the priest Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> Baby, now look. Look, here's the thing about that. Now, you thought you weren't going to get caught, but you know how people are in the church. You know somebody going to talk. It might be the custodian. It might be that nosy, that, that, uh, that nosy uh, woman over there who only cleans like two days a week, but you know they talk. They talk, and the word's going to get back. And you've got to be careful who you bringing in, because whoever you bring in, they're going to track dirt right out. So <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, baby. It is what it is. I hope you had I, fun. <laughs> I had a church mother in my church growing up, and her name was Opal. And Opal, uh-huh. She, she, sounds, <laughs> she, she sounds judgy. <laughs> she, she, was, uh, she was my church mother, and uh, she always had peppermints on her, though. And so we would always go to her. <laughs> that's how they get you <laughs> that's how they get you right here right here okay yes church, yes. Mother, would, church mother would have her personal baby you need a peppermint a butterscotch yeah. i got you because that's how you that's how you you know the peppermint is the the peppermint is the ice the cream sacrament. in the, the ice cream in the vein that's what the peppermint is <laughs> come on in my vein mm-hmm. oh my gosh <laughs> that's her Oh my goodness. Well, you posted a really amazing video that shows your reunion recently with your mother. And that video, you know, has some stats in it, such as 828 days between when you got to see each other. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. 79 days in a hospital. God bless. 15 days on a ventilator and six months of home rehabilitation. Oof. Yeah. What was yeah. that reunion like? Because I can imagine, but what was that like for you? So a bit, of, a, a bit of a bookend, and I'm honest about it in the, you know, the press that we're doing. And my mom was not happy initially about me sharing this in the book or in the press. Um, we've had an interesting journey. Um, me being a gay black boy, she's from the South. Um, I was born during the turbulent segregation of the 60s. And so in her mind, I'm always going to be in danger. And of course, now that I'm a grandfather- In Detroit? In in Detroit. Detroit. Oh, yeah. so, So for me, now being a grandfather, I know now what her fears have always been. But we've always had a very tumultuous- volatile relationship. I'm very respectful, I always have been, but when I ventured out on my own, I knew that I could not live the life that she wanted for me. I had to live it for myself. So when the last time I saw her was actually at her brother's funeral um, in Oklahoma, 
And we had not spoken for a while before that. And it was, you could cut the tension with a knife then. And so we were literally just finding our way back to each other after a couple of years. And so um, when I had that last communication with her before we left LA to come back here, it was by text because I wasn't sure I was ready to speak to her on the phone because I didn't want to fight. Um, and after seeing her, it was like every single petty, disagreeable thing that either of us have ever done vanished. It completely went away because I never thought I was going to get a chance to see my mom again. And let me be very clear. I didn't think that I was going to get a chance to see her after she passed because I was not able to leave the country. I didn't think I was going to be able to pick out an outfit for her casket. I was not going to be able to receive visitors or have a repast or be able to hug her siblings. And, you know, in, in that, I wasn't going to be able to bury her in the double plot that we already have where her husband, my father, I thought that all of that was gone. And so when she stepped off the train, it was literally a rebirth for both of us. And we wept. Well, you see it in the video, we, we wept. Now, I don't want to paint this picture. We still, we still those two people. We are still those two people, but we approach life as every day being a gift now. And so we choose to work our issues out as opposed to argue them out. So that's the message that I got from um, the book. Like I, the book was never supposed to be written. It was like a journal for her, but I received that gift through, through writing it. Let's talk about the book for a second, Courage Behind the yes. Mask. So, so you're, you're already a fashion icon, a lifestyle king, a TikTok influencer. Yeah. <laughs> and you decided the next step was to write this book, Courage Behind yeah. the Mask. Yeah. How did you add that to everything else you were doing in the midst of all of this? Okay, so I've already, I've already authored a couple of books. I, I wrote The Agram's Guide, and that was a bestseller back in whenever, 2009. And then I wrote a fitness book um, a few years later. This book, like the first book, was a brainchild of my husband. And he said, this should be a book. This, this should, should be a book. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to. Uh, because uh, um, it's personal, right? So I decided, fine, I will create a journal for my mom. And this was during her rehabilitation. So we were like in that six months where she was at home getting better. Mm -hmm. And, um, but as it started to develop, I realized, you know what, this is a thank you note to the healthcare workers, because what's in the book for your, for your listeners, what's in the book is not just the story of her surviving. It's a series of short stories from the healthcare workers and the clergy who helped keep me off the ledge during this time. So I asked several people um, nurses, uh, physiotherapists, doctors, uh, clergy, and several people, I asked them to uh, basically write a one sheet. 
and tell me their experiences, how they're feeling right now. And they're like, well, what do you want me to write? I was like, this is not my journey. It's not my story to tell. And so those are included in, in the book. And the purpose for that was to allow them a place to express and to grieve. But it was also a way for my mom to see and make, make a real thing for the people who were caring for her because she was basically in a coma. She doesn't remember anything, which is a blessing. Yeah. And so when people read it, they are getting a 365 degree version of what this experience was like. And it's not like, oh, there's nothing like this, but there's not anything like this about uh, about this um and there's so much that i could have included but i chose to keep it about the people who who were were in it and so that's really what what the story is and today ironically gentlemen is my mom's birthday oh, happy birthday happy birthday mom and ironically as well when my mom got a chance to come and visit um there is an art exhibit installation at a local museum and they had asked if i would include the book and you know some, some things because i was making masks through the whole thing and that's a part of the book courage behind the mask thing and so my mom got a chance to be a speaker we kind of created a ted talk while she was here and so today is the final day of the exhibit and they asked if they could put the book in a time capsule. And so they have some artifacts from the actual exhibit, which are being put in this time capsule, which is gonna be uh, opened in 50 years time. And my mom and I both have, have signed the book. So it's, it's very all in divine order that I'm speaking to you guys on this kind of program um, related to you know my mom and the book. So I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm curious, Robert, was there a scripture that you relied on and leaned on heavily during that time? So, um, I am not, I'm, these days I'm spiritual, but I'm not a religious person, but my mom, um, is it- even a mantra even. Is it, is it, is it Psalms 23? Um, uh, for God uh, loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's my mom's favorite. <laughs> John three sixteen. No, John three. Uh, yeah. Strike me Psalm down. twenty three. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I. I know why I'm thinking of that because, um, yeah, no, my, we buried my brother-in-law a couple days ago. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, that's the one. John three sixteen. That's that's her favorite. So that sort of, is kind of all in my head all the time. So yeah, that's, that's the one I suppose. So with Courage Behind the Mask, it chronicles the journey of your mom and what she went through and also interviews the healthcare workers who cared for her. And I love that you tell your family story, but also the healthcare workers as well. In, yeah. And your mom, I can, I'm just curious as well, as like what it was like for her reading that from the 360, 360 perspective, as, as you said. Um, but uh, this book is also giving back to the hospital workers, right? Yes, it, it is. and. Um, the, so my mom, it, it, my mom has read the book three times, as she says, and she goes, every time I cannot get through the whole thing. So she, she starts in different places because it's <laughs> difficult for her to, to just 
imagine that this happened and she wasn't she wasn't there to experience it so it's still kind of surreal for her um as far as the healthcare workers um i have spoken to and i actually keep in touch with a, a lot of them all of them actually and um the president of the hospital where she's at wrote a really nice email to the staff and um was very kind to me because basically what he said was he had already been proud of his staff for being above and beyond in a horrific time right but they achieved what they as healthcare workers went into the profession for which is to make a difference in people's lives and they do it thanklessly but to see it in print for him as a boss made him extremely proud to know that not only were they doing what their model or creed says but that mm -hmm. it impacted the family of of one of their patients so much that i would then turn around and write this in homage to them so he was really, really excited. He was really excited about that. And um, we are in, we're in the talks with several um, hospitals around the country to sort of book um, in places so that people can see it uh, as a way for people to understand how important healthcare is, the, the need for those, those workers. Well, See, in my church, this is this is where they would start singing. When I think about His goodness and what He's done for me, with your testimony, <laughs> it, is, it is a testimony. Yes, indeed. We yeah. we need this goodness in the world, and thank you for writing this. I think people needed this at this time. Um, where can people find you on social media and find the book Courage Behind the Mask? <laughs> so, Courage Behind the Mask is available on Amazon.com and .ca if you are in Canada. And I subscribe to the Oprah theory of life. Everything about my brand has my name on it. So on every social platform, you can find me at Robert E. Blackman, B-L-A-C-K-M-O-N, um, Twitter, Facebook, the Gram, YouTube, everywhere. Or you can uh, follow me at my website at robertyblackman.com. I keep it simple. Amazing. I hope you'll stick around with us uh, for the end of the show prayer. Um, yes. We got to hear uh, Robert Blackman's COVID story, but we want to hear yours, listeners. Visit our website at yasjesuspod.com and leave a written or a voicemail telling us about your COVID trials, your COVID triumphs, or just something to help us process all of this crap together. <laughs> also, let us know who the people were who helped you get through the last year and a half. Um, give them their flowers. Shout them out on the pod. Yes, and here at Yes Jesus, like Robert, we like to kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. So we are also on Yes Jesus on every platform as well. That's right. You can get us at Yes Jesus Pod. Now, if you want to build a community of care, COVID has been hard on all of us, and we can share a space of love and grace with each other here. And of course, get your hands on courage behind the mask. <laughs> all right. So now listen, we have a new segment. Okay. So we want to spread the love to other queer Christian music and artists. So if you're a queer Christian musician, um, or if you have some inspirational music, you just want us to play one of your songs, send us an email to contact at yasjesuspod.com uh, with a link where we can find the MP3 files of the songs that you want us to consider. 
Um, everyone, this has been such an, uh, an amazing um, episode to have Robert here and join us. Yeah. Um, we're so grateful for Daniel's message, um, uh, for his uh, prayer request, and for him looking out, really new into the queer community, but still looking out for his queer family right away. Um, we love that. Uh, we'd like to uh, bow our heads in prayer. And Robert, would you like to open up the prayer for us? I, I will. And Danny, before I do that, I, I, I want to say that um, my father entered the room. Um, I didn't realize that my father was going to be here. He's not here in the physical form. He passed 13 years ago, but he had a saying and he literally came through you. My dad literally would say every day, give flowers while they're living. Give flowers while they're living because they cannot appreciate them once they're passed. So Hi, Daddy. You're in the room. I, I acknowledge it. I, I hear you. <laughs> you're, oh, wow. That is so intense. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, um, I always say when God shows up, he shows off. So it's like that kind of moment. There you go. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, Maybe yeah. bow our heads. Yes, please. Unless you're driving. Unless you're driving. Jesus can't actually yes. take the wheel. Yes. <laughs> Ten and two. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for letting us open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds. Thank you so much for the presence of this podcast. Thank you for those who are listening and those who may hear your word, even though they may not know they need it. Thank you for the podcasters and everyone who puts this on. Thank you so much for my mom. I am so grateful that you gave us a second chance and that you showed me what truly matters. May you reach all those people who may be in doubt, those people who may not believe in you, those people who may not believe in the vaccine, those people who may just be lost. Guide them, Father. Let them know that through you, all is possible. In all that is holy, thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes. And we, Lord, we'd also Amen. like to pray. We'd like to pray for all of us that have been impacted by COVID in so many different ways. We'd like yes. to pray for those who have lost loved ones, for yes. those who have struggled to comfort and care for loved ones, for those who have lost work and have lost income, God, and for those who have endured months of anxiety and panic. And for those who are working so hard to keep us safe and healthy, our first responders, our healthcare workers, for those who lift our spirits, like Robert Blackman, who share their talents their gifts, their stories, Lord, and, and, and their outlook to inspire us and make us smile and keep us going. We pray for the congregation of that Father Francesco Spagnisi was pastoring and shepherding. We pray for their comfort and that you be with them during this time of confusion and, and pain. And that, that we remember that also this priest who francisco who did this deed is also your child and it's another lesson of grace and mercy for us all and that we find our way um and we also pray for jamie a new queer let jamie find community and support to make jamie the best new queer they can be yes and we pray for daniel and his friend and all those that are navigating affirming families especially during covid may his friend have strength and support like we do in you lord 
in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us, Robert Blackman. Make sure you find him at Robert Blackman everywhere. Good social media is sold. Thank you for listening to another episode of Yash Jesus. You can find us on social media at Yash Jesus Pod or on our website at YashJesusPod.com. If you like the show, please consider becoming a monthly sponsor. And if you haven't yet, please leave us a review or share with a friend. Doing so helps us reach new people and keeps this show running. Hey, sweetie, you can now leave an audio prayer request or praise report on our website, yasjesuspod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show, so drop us a line and send us a recording on yasjesuspod.com. That's right, girl. Send us your praise reports, your prayer requests, your episode ideas, your guest ideas, or even just if you want to hear my COVID story, we do. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Yeah. Yash Jesus is hosted by me, Danny Franzese, and my bestie, Azariah Southport. Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Ekman. Our show is produced by the freaking Deacon Ross Murray and Meredith Pauly. And a special thanks to Sophie Serrano and Sam Ispen. Yash Jesus is brought to you by Oddity. Oddity execs are Ryan Lochner, Jessica Bustilios, and Steve Michaels. We are streaming and screaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever getting your podcasts, and we'll always be streaming. And remember, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you just as you are. That's right, so keep praising the Lord, y'all. See you next time.